0: I hope you have uh, really enjoyed this series. Last week we got to take the Lord's Supper communion together and, and uh, really, really enjoyed that. If you missed that, go back and watch that because it really, really is a neat, um, uh, the message so tied into communion and it was such a neat day for, for Parkway. And so, But today we're talking about the, this third week in Chain Reaction. And we're, you know, our chain reaction is this almost like a domino effect, from one thing affects something else, and and it just keeps affecting and keep moving forward. And so uh, today we're going to to have three parts or four parts of this chain reaction. And first would be the command of God. And what we're doing is we're walking through the life of Abraham and kind of uh, picturing this chain reaction through Abraham's life. Abraham's this. Great Father of Faith, and so walking through His life, and so the first thing I want to talk about today is command. Command. It's the command of God. It's another way I could say it is God's ask when He ask you of something of you, or His command. And then we go from that into the surrender. We surrender to God. He asks, He commands. We then surrender to that, and then from that point on, we we take into we step into the walk of faith. We move into that process where we start making those steps in, in that walk of faith. And last is provisions, when God provides. And it's a beautiful moment. And so I want to walk through that today. Um, I, there's this college student that um, worked all year long for the big, notorious, notoriously tough final that he has heard about in this class that was just so, so difficult. And he prepared, he studied, he did everything he knew to do for the test to, to apply what he had learned and worked really hard and he walked in the day of the test and as he stepped in he couldn't believe it. There was no multiple choice questions. There were no opportunity for him to uh, write an essay about each question. None of that. In fact there was 25 pictures on a screen and in the fact, the, the, the whole class was about the study of birds. And when he saw the pictures on the screen and this big test and this big final about all of these birds, it was the picture of 25 birds and their, just their feet. Just their feet. I know you don't call them feet, but anyway. Just the feet of the bird. And, and, and he's like, I can't do this. Uh, this, is, this is crazy. The test, the test, is seeing 25 different species of birds not in their resplendent color but their feet. I can't, I can't do this. It's not, it's not what I study for. This is not what I planned on. And he said, this is insane and this is, this is the final. I won't do it. I'm walking out. I'm walking out. Professor looked back and said, if you walk out, I am going to fail you. And boy, that just really fired the student. He said, "Go ahead, go ahead. Fail me if you want to, but I'm walking out." And she said, "Okay, the professor. Said, okay, you have failed." And the whole class heard it. But uh, tell before you walk out, tell me your name because I'm going to fail you. He looked back at her, raised his pants leg, said, "I don't know. You tell me." <laughs> That's good right there, isn't it? Come on. <laughs> You tell me. That's what I would want to do right there, huh? A little, a little sass in that package. But I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. The bullet, nobody likes a test that is unfair. No, Nobody likes a test that's unfair. Tests are supposed to accurately check the level of what you know. And throughout Abraham's life, we see him being tested again and again in his life. And to be honest with you, Sometimes we look and we say, man, it seems like the test that Abraham went through was really not fair. It just seemed unfair at times. And when God asks, when God commands, he is leading you to a place that you have not been before to receive blessings that you have not received before, but it calls to obey a command. It calls to step in, and when even when you don't understand, to stay in the process. Think about it. God was not just trying to take Abraham somewhere. When he calls him out away from his homeland, steps out into the place, and, and he's going, hey, where do I'm going? And God never gives him that. Just gives him a promise, gives him a command, steps out. God's not trying, and this is what we think. We think God's trying to take Abraham somewhere. God's not trying to take Abraham somewhere. He's trying to make Abraham someone. And in the process that when God calls us in the thing and he commands us to step out, we are stepping out in. we instantly want to know where, we want to know where the destination is. He said, the, it's in the process that I'm building something into you so that when you arrive at the provision, you can handle what I provided for you. And so, by Genesis chapter 22 is where we're going to pick up the story of Abraham's life today. By Genesis chapter 22, Something has happened. They've already had that miracle baby. Sarah has already had that baby, and there was a lot that took, went through to get to that point, but now she's had that baby, and Isaac has been born. And, and they call this boy Isaac, and, and then I pick up in Genesis chapter 22, and it says this. After these things. After what? what what's these things? After these things, that means the Ishmael's and all the struggle and all the, uh, you know, the, 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 the disobedience and all the process. and all. After these things, and we know Isaac is about around 15 years of age right now at this point. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he says, I love this, here am I, this is the moment, we've had the command, actually the command came a few years ago, Abraham stepped out, and, and here we go, God says, Abraham, and he says, here am I. It's the Hebrew way of saying, I stand ready for your command. It is a statement of surrender. It's a statement of saying, here am I. In other words, I surrender to your command. I surrender to what you call of me. And I find that reaction so unique and pretty remarkable considering the times that God has called Abraham and what he asked Abraham to do. It seems like every time God rang up the phone and Abraham answered, he's always asking Abraham to do something outside of Abraham's normal. And it's always causing him to step out and attempt something seemingly impossible. And I'll be honest with you, if, if, and you can understand probably with me, that if, if, if I'd be tempted to be like, uh, no, no, uh, don't, don't answer that call. Like that, those, that call always causes me to step out. Uh, I, I'm busy. Uh, in fact, let me hand off a call for somebody else to answer that particular call. I've answered that a few times, and I don't think I want to answer that one again, but Abraham does something that and you and I struggle doing. He says, here am I. I surrender to the call. I surrender to the command. You show me a Christian. And I'll sh- a happy Christian, and I'll show you one who has learned to surrender. You show me a faltering Christian, and I'll show you one that has struggled with really understanding who God is and that God is committed completely to us. Verse two, he said this after he said, "Here am I." Here's the next part. He said, "Take your son, your only son, Isaac." whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Everybody say Moriah. Moriah. And offer him there as a burnt offering. This is a big deal. (laughs) On one of the mountains which I shall tell you. And so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. On the third day, so he got the command. He surrendered to the command. But on the third day, Abraham, the Bible says, lifted up his eyes and saw the place in the distance. True faith, I want to tell you, is not shown in the initial yes to the command. Anybody can say yes. God can command, God can ask, and anybody can say yes. And sometimes we think that's where all the faith is in the saying yes to the command. No, that's not really where faith completely kicks in in this story. It really doesn't kick in until the third day. The first was just a yes, I'm stepping into it. But the the next is this point between point A and Z that I'm moving through this process. I get the command, I get the, the God ask. I step into surrendering to that command and I'm walking the next part of this, this walk of faith and between my surrender and I step in the walk of faith and the provision, I have these this time period. I have this moment. I have this day one that I've stepped out for God, but God, it doesn't feel like has stepped out for me. Day two, it seems like it's silent and I don't hear. Maybe you are there right now. God called you to step out in faith But when you stepped out, you saw absolutely no fruit from your step out. And it's in that moment that you can lose. It feels like, man, I almost feel like uh, I don't know if God's even around. I don't even know if God's even in this. I don't know if God's in this. I don't even know if I originally even heard the voice of God when, when he called. I don't even know if what I heard was true and I don't don't even know if I'm here for such a time as this and God called you to step out in faith but when you stepped out, you saw no fruit and then your wait time, your wait time between the surrender and the provision is that moment like you're in the ER waiting room and the doctor's coming but it takes seemingly forever. It's like you going and waiting in the DMV and nobody's even smiling. And everybody's there is mad. They don't want to be there. It's in that moment, it's in the waiting room of God that I'm waiting for the provision to come. I thought that was gonna come right after the command. I thought the chain reaction always worked that I said, he said, he asked, I said yes, I surrendered and boom, I'm shouting on the heels of glory great things are happening, wonderful things are happening, God's providing, but we forget in the process there's a walk of faith and Christians get this all up in their mind because they see other people rejoicing in their provision and they get to thinking that that's all there is. But the walk of faith, I don't mean that's a bad thing, it's just a season of waiting and you have to understand that in the process of the chain reaction. But your faith really doesn't kick in And the surrender, it kicks in on day two. It still kicks in on day three in your life when when you're waiting but you haven't heard and you're not even seeing the mountain yet and the struggle is there. Verse five. Then Abraham said to this young man, stay here with the donkey and I and the boy will go over there. He's seeing the place now. I will go over there and worship. It's an interesting word that he chose that we're going to go over there and worship. They're headed towards a sacrifice, but Abraham sees it as we're heading towards worship. Sacrifice in our walk with God is always called worship. What you give up to God, God always receives as worship. I hand over this to God, and God says, What you have sacrificed to me, what you have surrendered to me, what you've stayed in the walk of faith with, when it's handed over to me, it comes before my nostrils as worship. I'm going to just tell you, some of you have had to hand some things over to God. Somewhere, if you've lived for God long enough, you've had to hand some things. And I don't mean, oh, God, I'm going to hand over chocolate after Thanksgiving. I don't mean that. I'm talking about you've handed over some dreams. You have, God has spoken some promises into your life, and somewhere you've had to hand some things over to him in that process, and God says that is worship. I've seen people step in and had an addiction problem, and maybe, maybe with drugs, and they stepped in the presence of God, and they handed that over to to God that is worship that's why sometimes I never want to look at someone and say hey man I don't know why they're worshiping the way they're worshiping or why they're lifting their hands or why that one cries and and speak down on that no 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 I don't know what they went through to get to that point and what they sacrificed to get to this altar but I know this God says bring it on kids because that is beauty in my nostril it goes up as an incense of the presence of God I don't know about you but I want want. I want to worship the Lord. Amen. I want to give the Lord my best. Give the Lord my best. Stay here with the donkey. And I and the boy will go over there and worship. And then there's something that says, says this, and we will come again to you. We. (laughs) We. Abraham is convinced that somehow they're both coming back. I love that. God has a promise to fulfill and he didn't know how Abraham didn't know how it was going to work out but he knew that it would. I don't know how he's going to do it. The walk of faith I don't understand but I'm just telling you God is going to provide. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know where. I don't know the answer to all the tests. It seems unfair the process even but I'm going to just tell you something. He Will provide. Verse 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife, so that they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Verse 8. Abraham said, God will provide. Abraham knows the chain reaction process. He didn't know it years earlier in his life, but he knows and understands it now. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. But I think it's you. (laughs) He didn't share that part of it. Now we see what Abraham has been doing for three days in the process of the walk of faith. Now we see what Abe is doing. Abraham is reciting in the walk of faith the promises of God. If you were here last week, He's probably reciting Genesis chapter 15 when God walked among the halves. He's probably reciting what we talked about last week about the covenant that God cut with him. He's probably thinking about that. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how God's going to come through, but I'm just going to tell you God cut covenant with me that he's going to come through. I just got to ask you, has any of you God ever provided? for you when you were at wits end you didn't know the next step but you kept moving in the direction and god says i'm coming through anybody just want to give the lord a kind clap of praise about that he came through he has provided he has provided you were at the very end you've been in your walk of faith you obey the command you've done everything you know to do but you stepped out and you kept walking and god says stay with me son i'm going to provide What drove Abraham up the mountain was not the strength of the character of Abe. It was not that. It was Abraham saying, I can do it because God is faithful. You look at some people and you go, man, how in the world can they do it? It's not their strength. It's not their resolve. It's not their character. They don't just have, they're not cut from a different cloth than you. They're not better than you. The fact is somewhere in the journey of life, they've learned that God is always faithful. How can this one be hang in and this one drop out? That's why I said a happy Christian is the one who understands that God is always faithful. You can always trust the faltering Christian is the one that somewhere in the walk of faith starts doubting and wondering if God is even real. And into the place, I mean, we have those feelings and those emotions in this process but it's always leaning back and reciting in Genesis chapter 15 he told me he's going to come through in Genesis chapter 15 he told me he would stand with me it was last week when when I cut communion he told me that he was going to be with me he was going to go I didn't know what I was going through but I do know this that God is always faithful somebody needs to talk to themselves today somebody needs to preach to themselves today somebody needs to have uh, you need to keep rewinding your own podcast and saying listen God is going to come through God is going to come through I I once was lost in sin but he brought me out of that he taught me, he marched me towards redemption he healed me, he saved me he provided for me and if he did it once he can come on he can what? give the Lord some praise today can you do that? He can do it again. The only thing that can drive you on the third day of silence when you're in the walk of faith is not your own strength and your own character. It's the goodness of God and standing on the promises of God. And the promises of God are yea and In other words, they're finished. I love that. I preached about that. They're yay and amen. In other words, the promises of God are yes, and then let's close out. He's got it. Yes and amen. Yes and amen. I'm out here in the middle of my journey, and I have to remember the promises of God are yes and amen man I don't understand it when I can't track God I can trust God I don't understand the process I just know I've surrendered to God and I'm in the walk of faith and the provision is coming but in this process I stand on the power of his faithfulness and when they came to the place of which God had told them Abraham built an altar there laid the wood in order found Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood by the way kudos to Isaac we don't talk much about Isaac in this process but did y'all get the story earlier Isaac packed the wood to the mountain Isaac carried the fire to the mountain because daddy was a little old he was Pawpaw Abraham, even though this was his first kid. He just kind of came late in life. I would so say so. He's about 115 years old, and he's walking with a cane. Where's the sacrifice, Daddy? Just follow me. And he gets there. He gets on top of the mountain. He's carrying the wood. He's got the fire. and Pawpaw's saying, come on, son." People, he got on the altar. Like, he has the strength to, you know, run from his daddy. He's got the strength to fight off the dad, but he doesn't. He crawls up on the altar. I mean, would your teenager do that? You can't even get them all off video games. And he lays on the altar why did isaac lay on the altar i mean i gotta give him kudos the only way isaac would do this is that he inherited trust in god from his daddy he he heard his daddy talk about it all the time he saw his dad live out son let me tell you something i made mistakes when i came into egypt but God came through even my mistakes. I lied about who your mama was and God still stood by me and was faithful. I doubted at this side and I doubted at that point and I wanted to set up camp and stay at this point in my life but God kept being faithful and he kept singing the praises and the trust in God and the faithfulness of God and all of a sudden, let me just tell you something, let me tell you something good. When the faithfulness of God is lived in one generation, it is passed down to the next generation. In other words, this: your son and daughter don't need you at home hearing about how bad saints are and how somebody did me wrong and how the body of Christ is not perfect and how the preacher is bald. And they don't. Need I just threw that one in. I hope you didn't catch it. I didn't but they don't need to to hear you eat up everybody at lunch. They need to hear you say, i tell you what, my church family is strong. My, my, the, the God has come through for me. God has put a team around. God has put, God has done this for me. God has done that for me. And God, I was at wit's end, I didn't know how to pay my bills, but God stepped in and took over and came through. Your kids need to hear about that because you're passing to the next generation the trust in God. Right, right. My mom and dad, when when we were uh, young, my mom and dad, I didn't know we was broke, but we were so broke. We were so broke. It scares me to think about when I look at. I'm going, my goodness, we really were broke. And my mom and dad were both time full time teachers at a Bible college and gave their life to that. But I mean, I didn't again, you know, I didn't know it because mom and dad, they didn't talk that junk. We didn't talk about how bad we had. I never thought we had it bad. I thought, I th- we, we grew up in a um, apartment in the absolutely worst neighborhoods of Houston, Texas. I pastor people sometimes, they say, well, I did drugs down there. And, and I say, uh, hey, bro, where was it? Where was it? And they say, oh, you wouldn't know. I said, just tell me, tell me, where, 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 where? Oh, down there on Evergreen. I said, bro, I'm gonna just tell you right now, my address was 816 Evergreen. I grew up in the roughest part of town. We lived in an ancient apartment that was always, it was a fire hazard when you looked at it. It was rough, tough, but I didn't even know it. I thought the front yard of our apartment was, was, was I had the biggest yard out of all my friends. When they came over, we had an upstairs, downstairs apartment. I thought everybody's going to think I'm rich because we have an upstairs. I honestly, God, did not know we were poor because all my parents told me and pushed into me is that we gave our, we did what God asked us to do and look how God provided. And mom took the very, what looked to be the worst and made it the best and it felt like home. Are you with me? I drove up a 65 4 I had a friend, uh, I mean, that was old because I'm, I'm a young man. Drove a 65 ancient Ford that my Pawpaw painted in the back of his garage with a, with a, with a little spray rig. It had about 14 different shades going on that Ford. I parked it next to my best friend who had a 944 Porsche at school. And the other girl, I, I had a lot of girlfriends the other girls my friend they parked them away, away from all of the schools so they didn't get bumped up didn't get beat up guess where the Ford was right out there right next to there because I didn't want my Ford to get messed up I did not know we were poor because my parents told me every time we got the end and we didn't know God always came through and so that's all I knew. And when that happens, all of a sudden a dad and a mom who has put their life in the giving God their best put it down in their kids and both of them are preaching the gospel today. What I'm trying to tell you is, I'm trying to tell you we learn that from parents who trust God. God. Boy, I'm preaching to somebody today hallelujah See, if God comes through for you don't go we're not going to tell Junior about c- God coming through no tell him if you gave to God if you sacrifice and gave tell your kids about it because they need to hear mom and dad Abraham's got to walk with God that they need to pass down to Isaac don't be fearful of walking and talking that stuff because it's healthy trust in God in one generation brings a chain reaction to trusting God in the next generation this kind of faith is caught not taught and I, I, I I want us as a church family I'm just telling you I want us as a church family to so steward how we live and give that the next generation wants to serve God that we want to serve God I did something this past week I called our secretary treasurer and I said, I want you to do something. I want you to cut a $10,000 check and I want you to send it to a church, the church in Lake Charles. We're gonna buy their their chairs at their church. I'm gonna tell you what, everything within me is like, well, we went through Harvey. We're still paying for our own chairs. But something in me says you can't outgive God. And so we sent it down there and it has blessed that church big time. Is that all right? Because you know what? I want to steward God's blessings that we teach the next generation, hallelujah, that this this generation trusted God to the place that the next generation wants to carry what you and I hand down to them. Is that all right? It's all right. And you know what? When God provides, we're going to tell them that too then Abraham reached out his hand he took the knife the sacrifice is on the altar and he raises the knife in the air and he's fixing to bring the knife down and there's a stopping motion something grabs his hand something grabs his hand and not only is there a stop there but there's a stop in this message and I want to tell you this have you identified your Isaac and surrendered it to God? Have, have you put your Isaac? Now the first thing we think of is a person or we think as a child or first thing we think of this, for just a minute, I don't want to do that. I'm going to say, have you put your dream? Have you put what was born in your heart in the moment of command? In the moment of God ask? Have you laid that on an altar? Have you put your Isaac there? Is it identified? Do you know what your Isaac is? That thing that when you wrap your hand around it, your fists go tight and you hold with a clutch that says, this is one thing, this is me. I'm a self-made woman. I'm a self-made man. I hold. It's that thing that you kind of have to pry your fingers off of and say, this is my Isaac. Have I identified that? In the study of this message, God has recently, and I'm going to tell eventually the church about all this, but it's still maturing. But God has laid a command on my heart. The next step for me after the command, and the command came in a moment of prayer in this room just just a few months back. The command hit my heart strong. I knew what I knew when I stepped out it was a game changer for how I look at some things. He's called me. Then I stepped into a place of surrender. I had to surrender my will to it. I had to surrender embarrassment. I had to surrender stepping out in faith because that sometimes is equal with embarrassment. And I had to step out into all of that. And now we start stepping into. The walk of faith of that process it's the time it's the waiting it's that moment and I know the provision is coming at the end but in this process called the wait I have then had to take something that God spoke into my heart as command that I even took that that promise and held the promise so tight that I can feel the knuckles white around the promise Then I have to do a moment where I put Isaac, the promise, back on the altar and say, not my will, but thine. I have to hand it back to you because when I get to provision, I can't get to thinking that I'm the one that provided it. So this is the moment where I lay the provision down and with a knife I identify that that's my Isaac and I give it to God. Surrender is different than obedience. They look close, but let me explain the difference. You can obey a lot of the laws of God and not be surrendered. You you, you can be a good Christian and stay active in church and do all of the stuff, but there's an an Isaac that God's still not in charge of. And I want to identify the Isaac. Surrender is a blank check without restriction. All I have, all I am, all I ever hope to be. It's air, it's right there, Lord. And surrender is like a dye that that bleeds through everything that happens in life. I always looked at it like this. And if you eat eggs and bacon, and during the holidays we woke up one morning and we did that. We we eat eggs and bacon and sausage. And and, and, and if you eat eggs and bacon for breakfast, both the chicken and and the egg contributed a part to that breakfast. Am I right? I'm making y'all hungry right now. The chicken made a contribution, but the pig was completely surrendered. (laughs) Surrender is the response of a grateful heart that says, God, you gave everything for me so in response I'm going to surrender all that I have, all that I have. The surrender of your Isaac always turns into worship. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, do not lay your hand on the boy or anything don't relay anything to him. For I now know that you fear God, seeing you have withheld not withheld your very best, your son, your only son for me. Verse 13, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. A ram caught in the thicket by his horns and Abraham went and took the ram. Do you notice the ram is the supplying from God? The ram is taken without a blemish. The ram is not shot with a 30 all six. But they're able to take the ram without blemish. This all comes back into play here in just a minute. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a Burnt offering instead of his son. Verse 14, so Abraham called the name of that place right here. That is the Lord will provide. And in the Hebrew dialect, that that is the meaning this is the place, this is the provision. I know he has promised me this, but Look what he has provided. The Lord will provide. And it is said to this day on the mountain of the Lord that he shall provide. It shall be provided. He always provides. There's always pres- vision at the end of the chain reaction. Someone say it out loud with me. The Lord provides. The Lord provides. He always does. He always does. Now, listen to this. Listen to this closely. You see, everything in the Old Testament is types and shadows to the New Testament. Everything in the Old Testament happened, but it kind of happened again in the New Testament with fulfillment. So, watch this closely. Centuries later, centuries later, I had you repeat earlier, something happened at a place called Mount Moriah. Centuries later, the only son whom the father loved would walk up the same mountain that that Abraham walked up with Isaac, Mount Moriah. We just call it Calvary. And again, that son get on the wood lay down on the wood but this time the hand would not be stopped and the sacrifice would be given in his name is Jesus Well, Jesus would walk up the same mountain the place called the Lord provides and be the un blemished lamb that would give his life for you and I because it's built in the DNA of God's process that provision always is there for his kids. The provision is there. He would willingly lay down on the altar when he had the power Come down from there. Who do you think you are, king? Spit on him. He has the power to take the whole thing. He has the strength, but he does it all. He carries the wood. He lays on the wood. He sacrifices and gives his life, because again, he's teaching his kids that the Lord always Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that? I'm letting you know this, that God will bless you when you step out for him, but sometimes it's not in the first step. In fact, faith is really not in this step. This is just an obedience to a command. Faith doesn't come to happen in one, two. I don't hear from you, God. Three. I'm just seeing a, something in the distance here but I keep stepping and I keep moving and I keep operating and God says that smells like worship to me and then I finally get to the point and a, that I pour out my provision on him don't get don't get Uh, disoriented when you're in the body of Christ and this person over here is shouting because God has provided and you haven't had your provision yet. Just let that build your faith that if you stay in the journey that there's an end result in the chain reaction that you're going to have provision. In other words, your hand lifting of what God's done for you builds my faith and the walk, my walk of faith knowing that God's going to come through for me too. I don't know how, I don't know when, but he's coming through for me too. I got to see the hands of people that he's come through for you. Somewhere, somehow. You may be in a season right now. Somewhere, day one, day two, day three, but you're in the process. You're still trying to identify your Isaac. You're still wrestling with the dream. You're still... Like, But let me tell you, God will come through for you. Would you stand with me? Did you stand with me this morning? The Lord will provide. Are you thankful for what Jesus did on that mountain? Man, I don't know about you, but it's the reason Priscilla was baptized this morning. You know what? She said, I'm giving my all. I'm giving my all. That's why in the first service, Wyatt was baptized. I'm giving my all. Lord, I'm, I'm going to die out, and I'm giving it to you. We am giving it to you. Take it all. This is yours. My life is yours. And you know what the Lord sees about that? It looks like worship to him, because I'm giving it all to him. I'm giving it all to him. I need his presence. Keep your eye on the provision. I uh, I told you earlier, I was raised in Houston, and they have these large skyscrapers there and I was raised in a time where they were building a lot of those skyscrapers in, in the Houston area and, but all across the nation as they built all of those, they they, they they tell me stories about the guys that would, guys, ladies, whatever, would walk across one beam to the other beam way up when they were erecting the steel for these buildings and and. They would step out on these beams and as they began to walk, the story goes, as they began to walk, they did great and hardly any of them ever fell walking the beam. These guys are just incredible. But they would say that as they started erecting things down 30, 40, 50 stories below, as they started putting up things down there, the guys who would walk it was easy for them to take their eyes off of the beam and off of the end, the goal, and they would start looking at the false security that was being built up under them, and they're thinking, well, it's not as far down anymore. It's only 30 stories. But they start seeing things built, and their eyes start catching those things, and they start looking at things being built under them and it's in those moments guys would fall off the beam. And so they learn. there's two things you, gotta do. you got to do. You have to keep your eye on the beam, and you have to keep your eye on the goal. I have to keep my eye on the beam, and I have to keep my eye on the goal. God gave me the command. I stepped out onto the beam. I surrendered myself to this area where I'm, oh, God. And then I'm walking the walk of faith, and he's saying in the process of the walk of faith, keep my eye on the beam and look at the end provision and keep making my steps. Keep moving. Don't get alarmed when this and that and this and that is built around this that gives me false security and false hope. Keep my eye on the beam and keep my eye on the provision. Hey, how many of you gonna keep your eye on the beam and on the provision and keep on walking? The walk of faith. Amen. 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 I feel the presence of the Lord so rich, so strong today. God's power and glory is so rich in this room today. Why don't you just turn to somebody you don't mind touching, family member or something, and just saying, We're gonna stay in until the provision comes. Come on. We're gonna keep moving. We can keep operating. God bless you so much. Listen, thank you for being here today. We're back to our normal schedule this week, Wednesday night service. Next Sunday is the fourth week in Chain Reaction. Guys, I'm just telling you, we do this Sunday every year, this this particular Sunday. It's a game changer for Parkway. I want you to be here. We've got a lot of work to do this week to prepare for next Sunday in the Chain Reaction. So be here next Sunday. Bring a friend. Let's watch God do something cool. Next Sunday, next Sunday, fourth week in Chain Reaction. God bless you. Have a blessed week. Thanks for choosing Parkway today.